What's up, good people? You're now tuned in to Crockpot Conversations with Anthony D. Sparks. This is a place where I talk about issues that are practical, hopefully in a way that's powerful, to try to give you something that's portable. Thanks so much for listening, and please make sure that you subscribe to and share the podcast. And if possible, please leave a rating and a review, because without your five stars, I ain't getting very far. This is episode 56, and it is part two of our November series titled God Bless America. Yeah, and again, the reason why it's posed as a question is because this month I'm tackling some tough issues and interviewing some amazing people as we explore the current condition and connection of God in America as presently situated. Today's episode is focused on one thing, church hurt. Yeah, church hurt. Almost sounds like that should be an oxymoron, right? Those two words shouldn't go together. Now, look, I know a lot of you have heard the phrase and uh, some of you out there may be wondering how church hurt is even a thing, because how can you be hurt in a place that's designed to help? It's almost like going to the ER with a gunshot wound, but then you end up getting stabbed while you're in the hospital. Yeah, just just doesn't quite make sense, right? And so today I'm honored to talk with a few new social media friends of mine who are absolutely thought provoking and who have perspective that I think needs to be heard and shared. My guests today are uh, Kyle Howard, Bridget Rivera and Charlie, who goes by first name only and is known as worst pastor's wife on Twitter to maintain her anonymity so she can speak freely on her experience. All right. This episode is going to be broken up into two segments. So on the other side of this break, I'll be back with segment one and I'm going to chop it up with our first two guests. So buckle in and get ready for a great, great, great conversation. Hey, do you ever have that feeling that you were made for more? Like that feeling that where you are is not where you're supposed to stay because you know you can do better. But for some reason, you're stuck. Well, if so, Anthony D. Sparks can help. As a certified life coach, Anthony has coached hundreds of individuals ranging from CEOs to stay-at-home parents, helping them with issues such as finding their purpose, achieving work-life balance, improving their love lives, or just simply becoming better people. If you've ever thought about coaching and been hesitant, or if you've never thought about coaching but know something in your life has to improve, then this message is for you. Go to www.anthonydsparks.com to book a free consultation to see if Anthony can help. It's time for you to live a life of purpose, on purpose. All right, y'all, welcome back to Crockpot Conversations, episode 56. And again, it's part two of our God Bless America series. And again, today we're talking church hurt, what it means to deal with hurt from a place that's designed to help. All right, real quick, today's conversation, as I said in the, at the uh, onset, will be in two segments. So to kick off, kick off segment one, I have with me uh, right now, Kyle Howard and Bridget Rivera. Um, Kyle is on Twitter. I think it's just Kyle J. Howard and Bridget is on there as Traveling Nun. All right. So if you can make sure you follow them, they have great, great content that they put out um, regularly 
on Twitter that's designed to, I think, you know, help people um, give perspective, insight, etc. So, guys, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being a part of this. It's my privilege. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm glad to be here and I'm looking forward to the conversation. Before we jump into the meat of what we're talking about today, if you all don't mind, give the audience just some brief background on who you are and uh, and what you do. Uh, Bridget first, then Kyle. Uh, so yeah, I'm a sociologist. I'm currently getting my PhD in sociology. Um, academically, I do research um, at the intersection of gender, sexuality, and crime. Uh, and then publicly, I do a lot of advocacy related to LGBTQ issues in Christianity. Um, I'm a Christian, a lesbian, and I'm also celibate. I grew up in a Reformed Baptist church in the homeschool evangelical community. Uh, and I've, for the most part, attended Reformed Baptist-leaning churches for most, of, for most of my life. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that. All right. Kyle, what about you, brother? Yeah, I'm a, I am a, again, my name's Kyle J. Howard. I am a, a trauma-informed uh, soul care provider and a public theologian, uh, doing grad studies in, um, and with a concentration in patristics, specifically North African church fathers and, um, and, and their connection to the Reformation. Um, what I primarily do when it comes to public ministry is I speak, I seek to raise awareness related to things, uh, to uh, spiritual trauma and abuse, as well as racial trauma, uh, racial trauma specifically in the church. And so th though my ministry and counseling ministry is comprehensive, those are the two things that I primarily foc focus on is, uh, or emphasize publicly is the uh, spiritual trauma and abuse and racial trauma. Good stuff, good stuff. Thank you. Thank you for that. All right. So. Um, now that, you know, the audience knows a little bit about you, let's just jump into it. Um, just want to ask this to kind of kick us off. How would you describe your current relationship with the quote unquote church? Uh, Kyle, if you don't mind, kick us off. Yeah, that's 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 a, that's a good question. That's an interesting question, kind of an on the spot kind of question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so let me say this. On, so I am uh, still a Christian for a couple of sure. reasons. One, because... Uh, Jesus has never forsaken me and he's always been there and has always uh, comforted. And two, uh, because of my work that I've done as a historical theologian in regards to engaging and studying the church uh, across space and time. And, uh, and the reason why I say that is um, if, I, I, if it wasn't for my historical theology background, I would probably find it profoundly difficult to have any connection with organized religion or the church uh, in, wow. in modern time America. Um, but it's because of my, again, understanding of where the church has been, with the, what's going on globally in regards to the church and its uh, faithfulness and, and, and persecution, everything else, that when I look at American Christianity and specifically organized religion here in the States, um, I don't find my, my roots here. Uh, one of the ways in which, so, so uh, for, uh, as far as my own biography, I grew up in, um, I've been a uh, Reformed and Baptist uh, for what, 18 years now, I've been a believer for 18 years. Um, and I've been largely been within the white reformed evangelical culture and community for the past 18 mm. years or so. And uh, in that community, not only have I experienced spiritual abuse and uh, racial trauma, but I've also I've counseled and heard stories from countless individuals who have experienced the same. And so one of the things that one of the ways that I put it is that when I think about uh, theological traditions, um, 
uh, white evangelicalism is like uh, if if theological traditions were a solar system, white evangelicalism is like Pluto. <laughs> it's, it does it and, and, and understanding the debates about whether or not Pluto is a planet or not. <laughs> you know, we, we oftentimes it's centered as if it is the expression of faith. When um, I, I don't believe that it is, I believe that there's there's even questions to whether or not it's ever been a true expression of faith. Wow. So so when it comes to the, the when it comes to church, um, I'm kind of I guess I'm at I'm at a place right now where I. I, I do believe that I've been called to, to the pastorate. I've, I've felt called to pastor for well over a decade now. It's what I went to seminary for, uh, for that training. Uh, so I believe in the local church. Um, I love the local church. I love and I've devoted my life to caring for God's people. Uh, but at the same time, because my work is invested in caring for people who have experienced spiritual trauma, um, the vast majority of knowledge I have related to the way in which churches operate is abuse of power and toxicity and so i have i have trust issues uh when it comes to uh actual local church uh community dynamics and so even though i i been i feel called at some point to pastor in a local church context but potentially planting i also have this tension of not really <laughs> uh, you know uh trusting the way in which things uh, play out in regards to how church is done uh currently and so i, I kind of live within that tension of okay. ministering to people who are part of the church um being called to you know love and be called to serve the church yet at the same time having some profound suspicions uh, because of how consistently i've heard of the way in which many churches operate and the wounding Absolutely. that they cause because of that Absolutely, man. That's that's great perspective. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Bridget, how about you? Uh, your current relationship with the church and uh, just kind of what's led you to that place where you are right now? I guess if I could describe my relationship to the church in one word, it would be probably complicated. Um, I, I love Jesus and I love the faith. Um, mm -hmm that has been passed down to me um and that's something that i treasure and that has uh, kept me holding on in the midst of i guess difficulties and trials um and i also i feel a real deep sense of uh, gratitude for um, i guess the theological uh education that i received um from the church that i grew up in. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that education. And in some ways I see that as saving my faith because um, I, as I, you know, have had experiences in the church, um, it was that theological foundation that allowed me to be able to identify when the gospel was being uh, abused. The I on one hand, found that reformed teaching led me to believe that I was um, destined to be condemned to hell uh, yeah. beca because because I'm a lesbian. Um, you know, I was predestined. There was nothing that I would be able to do. Um, but at the other hand, reformed theology also provided me with the tools to unpack that, to unpack that and be like, that's not true. That is a lie. Um, and so I, I think for me, I just see so many ways in which 
the truth of scripture, the reality of Jesus, the goodness of the gospel get twisted um, and used to promote a message that is actually antithetical to what was supposed to be saying in the first place. And so that for me is um, a major, a major concern um, and, and something that um, I want to see change about the church. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, that, that's that's um, another great perspective. I, I, I appreciate that. Um, something that both of you said um, um, in, in some cases explicitly, but also implicitly, is that um, I, I, I hear it's like when, when it comes to Kyle, I hear, you know, black man who kind of came up in this, you know, heavily white Southern Baptist tradition. And then with, with, with Bridget, I hear um, you know, being um, a, a Christian who's also a lesbian, just kind of that that LGBTQ um, dynamic, which you know for the church has always been an issue. And, and so, something that I want to kind of ask you all, kind of looking at those two, you know, factions that you both operate in or, or that you've operated from, um, how have you been able to separate or differentiate Christ from the church? Because I think it's safe to say. Although they've been synonymous for so long, I think it's safe to say that you found more comfort in him than in his people or in his church. So how has, you know, kind of how have you been able to, to successfully separate those two things? And, and Bridget, I'll, I'll go to you first. Jesus Christ, he incarnates the truth of the gospel message into the world. Um, and Jesus did not come to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Uh, And the church was entrusted with that message of salvation, Uh, but too often turns that message of salvation into a message of condemnation Uh, to the extent that the church preaches something that is just not the gospel any longer. It is no longer preaching the message of Jesus Christ. So for me, when I think about how I follow Jesus and not the church, I have to remind myself that to the extent that the church veers away from the message of Jesus Christ, um, I, as a Christian, I need to keep my eyes on Jesus, uh, right. regardless of what the church does, uh, because I'm following Jesus, I'm not following the church. The church is the one who is supposed to be preserving the gospel for the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, to, uh, I guess, say that every, uh, yes, I I want every Christian to have confidence in the gospel. I want every Christian to, you know, know what Jesus represents. At the Mm -hmm. same time, the church is supposed to be the one that helps people have that confidence and helps people have that knowledge. Um, And so, you know, when I see this a lot of times when people leave the faith altogether, you know, they're just done with it as a result of abuse that they've experienced in the Mm -hmm. church. I will often see people say, well, if they were a real Christian, they'd be able to tell the difference between the way the church treated them and the truth of Jesus Christ. Um, wow. I, like, I just, just recently, 
I was sharing about like people who had left because of abuse that they had experienced. And I was shocked by the number of Christians who said that back to me. Well, they should have had more confidence in Jesus. Um, and <laughs> that's, no, that's just not how it's supposed to work. The church is who Jesus entrusted his gospel to. The church is described as the body of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. described as the embodiment of Jesus to the world. If the church can't get the gospel right and people lose faith as a result, the problem is not that they couldn't tell the difference between Jesus and the church. The problem is the church misrepresenting who Jesus is to the world. Um, wow. And so on one hand, I say, it's so important for Christians to know the gospel and to be assured of who Jesus is. And it's so important to be grounded in that. Um, on the other hand, I say that is not an excuse for the church to not take responsibility for the ways right. that they have misrepresented Jesus. Mm, good stuff. Good stuff. Kyle, how do you differentiate or how have you been able to differentiate Christ from Christians or Christ from the church, uh, considering all you've experienced? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And, and just kind of as a side note, just to put a pin in it, because I think it's important. So hopefully we talk about it later. But one of the things regarding what Bridget was just mentioning was just how inept the church is in understanding trauma and the mm -hmm. response of trauma. And so mm -hmm. when, when people who have experienced spiritual abuse begin um, expressing or responding to that abuse with, with trauma, you know, such as levels of disconnection regarding spiritual things, mm -hmm. uh, it's seen as unfaithfulness rather than as brokenness. And so that's just, mm. that's a huge, massive issue. That's good. Um, yeah. So, so putting a pin in that, because I think that's important to talk about and coming back to your sure. question. Um, so, so for me, and so on the superficial level, it's easy because the people, a lot of people in my theological tradition think I'm going to hell and, <laughs> and essentially, you know, think that I've compromised the gospel because I talk about, because I talk about racial trauma and spiritual abuse. And, and right. so it's, it's easier when, when, when other people, so people talk about like, like I remember Lecrae got beef for talking about divorcing evangelicalism. And yeah. I, I've joked saying that I'm in a bad divorce and I ain't even the one that asked for it. They're the ones that are trying to cut me out. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just chilling. So, so on one level, it's easy because it's kind of like, you know, all two, a couple of years ago, uh, after my my family uh, left the church that we were abused in, um, we lost everything. All of our friends, all of our relationships, everything. So we literally had to start completely. Uh, when we moved back to Atlanta, our lives literally started over at me what 34 years old 33 34 years old uh, my wife a couple years younger it was like we're in our 30s and we're just now starting life church life wow. relationships friendships everything was you know completely fresh and so yeah uh, with that comes the question of hey when we since we're starting a whole life over do we start this new life over with jesus or not and so for us, it wasn't it wasn't this kind of dynamic where it's like, what do we, which one do we choose? It was mm -hmm. we've lost all of this. Do we start this new life with Jesus or not? And so then becomes with assessing whether or not we want that we want Jesus in this new life, and and we did. And what I would say is because it's because Jesus was the life that we had before uh, was the overflow of life in Jesus. It wasn't the Jesus wasn't the byproduct. Jesus okay. was the source. And so, so, and, and with my wife, she she came became a Christian out of Roman Catholicism, and okay. when she became a believer, she was disowned by her family and was literally kicked out of the house with just a trash bag of clothes. 
and, wow. and so for her becoming a Christian was also starting life over and it was only Jesus and, you know and so when we entered into uh, uh, evangelicalism or uh, reformed evangelicalism it was it was more we are Christians these people seem to have theological convictions that that match what we already believe. Mm-hmm. And for many years, we sp- we stayed in that space believing that. And it, w- it wasn't until uh, relatively recently that things were exposed that even though we had some of the same theological foundations, it took us in radically different directions, especially mm-hmm. in, as it relates to dynamics of race and understanding of oppression and marginalization and all those kinds of things. And so right. I-, I saw Jesus do miracles in the lives of of singles, of married uh, saints, of of traumatized people, of abused people Mm -hmm. as I'm ministering the word. And I saw transformation in my own life and in my wife's life that Jesus was always the source and Mm -hmm. everything else was just an overflow of that. And it turned out that some of that overflow uh, was toxic and included certain theological cultures um, that were profoundly toxic. But that toxicity uh, came from a perversion of the one who I came to love, and it wasn't it wasn't this I wasn't introduced to the one I love through that through that perversion. Does that make sense? Oh, you know, yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So for me, it was more of a, a shedding of toxicity, and and reclaiming. And I, and I'll be I'll be honest and say I think that there is I'm still in that process, um, okay. of. Uh, and that a lot of it has to do with spiritual trauma. I'm still in the process of reclaiming the benefits of worship. Okay. Uh, where, you know, I can still sing hymns, but it actually like, but there's the triggering dynamic of that because of the abuse that I, when it comes to reading the word, as a theologian, I still read scripture, but I'm mm-hmm. still working on rebuilding that relational dynamic between me and reading God's word. Uh, that was once there because that the word of God has been weaponized for so long mm. against my family. You know, so so there's still wow. dynamics of me trying to rebuild the relationship that I have with Jesus in light of the fact that so many people slandered my Messiah, slandered my mm. Lord, and, and mm-hmm. misrepresented who he was to me. You know, and so there is kind of a shedding of those lies that's right. still taking place so I can rebuild what 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 I what Jesus and I have had. And my my mission in life is essentially helping others do the same. But again, it's more of a shedding than it is of kind of a, I don't have to reconstruct my relationship with Jesus as much as I'm, I'm having to filter out and cleanse the toxicity that's yeah. kind of gotten in the way. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense, man. Makes perfect sense. And I, and I want to, um, you, you said, let's put a pin in it. And so I, I kind of want to jump into it because um, once again, I mean, it, it, both of you talked about it. Um, just plain and simple, spiritual abuse. All right, we, we, we know it exists, we know it's real. Um, but, but you know, I, I think there are a lot of people and, you know, I, I don't want to put a percentage on it because I don't know, but I would tend to say in every church, especially the, uh, the churches where your, 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 your pastors and your leaders are um, exalted, and and you know some other things you know you you, you kind of got the whole the, the whole aura the feeling whatever you want to call it but I, I would tend to say in so many churches they there are people who are being spiritually abused and they are clueless to it like they they just think it's the way they think that this is you know you you quote unquote honor the man and woman of god that whole piece so let, let, let's unpack that for a second how can somebody recognize 
spiritual abuse? Like how can, you know, even if they don't even realize they're being abused, what are some telltale signs in your, in you all's opinion of spiritual abuse? And then more importantly, how can you help somebody, you know, not succumb to it? So, so how can you recognize it? And then how can you not succumb to it? Uh, and I want to go to you first on that, Kyle. One of the ways that I've defined abuse, especially when I'm talking to uh, other saints and trying to help them become, in some sense, trauma-informed, is um, letting is through the analogy that uh, trauma is like haunting pain. Uh, when you think about a haunting, if you watch Ghostbusters or the Poltergeist, a haunting is what happens when a ghost takes up residence in a location, someone tries to move in, and that ghost makes it uninhabitable. It knocks over bookshelves and all kinds of things, just, just causes chaos in that home uh, right. so that, that it's uninhabitable. Well, trauma does that to the mind. It does it to the affections mm. and it does it to the soul. And and wow. not in the way of a, a ghost, but it's it's pain. It's a haunting of pain. And when I'm speaking of pain, I'm not talking about a stubbed toe. I'm talking more about getting a leg sawed off. I'm talking mm. about the kind of pain that is so, so comprehensive and monumental that it completely shifts and reorients your very constitution. There is a unique kind of spiritual trauma that happens in spiritual contexts such as a church mm -hmm. where the where someone is entrusting their soul uh to others uh whether it's in community or whether it's to a, a pastor or a leader that there's a unique kind of soul relationship that's that's taking place within that that when there is profound betrayal um or wounding that it leads to a haunting pain that is that is uniquely spiritual does that make sense yeah, you know, yeah. And so when we're talking about spiritual trauma, we're talking about, um, one, any kind of trauma that impacts the soul. But we're talking about spiritual trauma in the relation to the church. What we're talking about is the ways in which spirituality and faith is weaponized in, against uh, other, uh, other people to the point where it has a devastating impact on their soul, leading to that haunting pain. And so some of the ways in which we see that play out uh, uniquely is um, with the church is things that will uh, that God has given means of grace that God has given to build us up in him and to enhance our relationships with him and his people are uh, now become traumatic triggers so as i mentioned before trauma is like haunting pain well trauma triggers are like what happens when that ghost reminds you it's present like again hmm. you can have a, you can be have a haunted house and the the ghost is just chilling or you can have a haunted house and the ghost is knocking things over, letting you know, hey, I'm right. here and I don't want you here. Well, a trauma right. triggers essentially when is when your trauma, that haunting pain, reminds you of its presence through something that re-triggers what that profoundly painful thing was. And so when it comes to when when the the gift, the means of grace, the gifts that God has given us, spiritual disciplines, have been weaponized against the soul, then those things become traumatic triggers rather than spiritual benefits. And so when the word of God is weaponized against an individual, then the word of God is no longer a nourishment to the soul, but it's now a poison to the soul. And so someone who has spiritual trauma, and we're talking about both spiritual and all spiritual trauma is also psychological. Again, we can't be Gnostic. We got to understand that all we're, we're comprehensive beings, both body and right. soul. And so the spiritual pain of having the word of God weaponized against you will have a psychological impact whereby your, your, your psychology develops defense mechanisms to prevent you from being further traumatized. And so the word of God now becomes triggering. You don't want to get next to it. Or when it's read, it's now you want distance because that's something that's been used and weaponized against you. When mm. prayer 
is weaponized against an individual. And so a person has heard prayer, you know how this goes, but someone someone prays an attack against you where they say that <laughs> in humility, they, they're acting like they're praying for you, but really they're attacking uh -huh. you through prayer. And so when mm -hmm. prayer, which is supposed to be used for communion with God, is used to attack you, then your, your, your mind is gonna develop defense mechanisms to prevent that from happening again. So now prayer becomes triggering. Same thing with worship, same thing with community. You know, you can go across the board regarding the various spiritual realities and recognize that with all of them, when they've been weaponized against somebody leading to profound trauma, then it, it's natural for the mind to develop defense mechanisms to prevent compounding trauma. So it's very, very, very normal for people who have trauma to consider their trauma a new normal and not mm -hmm. realize that it's actually indeed trauma and, and, and that they're, they're not, they're, everything's not okay. They're bleeding out slowly. And so mm -hmm. helping somebody come to terms with that is, is huge. But some of those telltale signs are going to be, um, again, when spiritual realities become triggering rather than beneficial. When the things that when the things that you you used to uh, be uplifting to you spiritually now become uh, breaking been breaking you down, um, and, and there's others as well. There's other examples as well. But for the sake of time, I'll leave it at that for now and say that those are some of the most some of the biggest ways in which spiritual trauma can be recognized in an individual, um, and even in self reflection is when aspects of spiritual of spiritual life that used to give you life now minister death to you. They, wow. they, they now begin, uh, they, they, they break you, they don't heal. And wow. that's what happens when the good gifts of God are weaponized against God's own people. Man, that's 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 rich. That's chock full of, of, of just gems. I mean, I really, really, really hope that, that our listening audience just, just took that in because that's some great um, information. Bridget, um, same thing, same thing. Spiritual abuse, how can somebody recognize it? And, um, you know, more importantly, I would say, not succumb to it, not fall victim to it. Everything Kyle said was um, just spot on. So I'll, I'll share a little bit of just my own experience. Yeah, please. Uh, that I think maybe helps to shed light on the things that Kyle named. Um, because like the way that Kyle describes trauma playing out is like, and, and spiritual abuse playing out is, is so true to my own experience. Um, I attended an extremely unhealthy church for years as an adult. Um, and I could not see how it was being so detrimental to my faith. Um, because you convince yourself that it's not it's not their problem, it's your problem. Wow. Uh, and you need to figure out a way to make it work. Um, and there's a mentality sometimes that if you don't figure out a way to thrive and flourish in the church, it's an indication of sin on your part um, because you are failing in some way to be involved in the local church and the local body. And mm -hmm. so, you need to do better. Um, there's this mentality. Um, and so I stayed in a church for years that was extremely unhealthy for my spiritual life. Um, but I believed that I needed to stay and I needed to figure out a way to make it work. 
um, because <laughs> if I didn't, then it was a failure on my part. I had an obligation to uh, be a part of the church because I'm never going to find a perfect church anyhow. Every church is going to have issues. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> what, what, what do I expect? Do I expect to find a church that's that doesn't have issues? And the way that I like to put it is like, no. You don't need to find a perfect church. You need to find a healthy church. Yeah. And uh, being healthy is not the same thing as being perfect. Healthy people right. still get colds every once in a while. Healthy people still come down with the flu and, you know, maybe like, you know, fall, fall over and scrape their knee. But that's not the same thing as uh, being perfect. Mm -hmm. um, and so you don't need to find a perfect church. You need to find a healthy church. And yes, there's going to be problems. But if you are using this idea that there's no perfect church out there, and therefore I should be happy with an unhealthy church that mm -hmm. is doing harm to my spiritual life, then uh, there's a problem. You yeah. do not need to ever, ever settle for an unhealthy church that is harming your relationship to Jesus Christ and being detrimental to your spiritual walk. The point of church is to go and be with other believers, fellow siblings mm -hmm. in Christ, to build each other up. And if yeah. you are being torn down, then that church is not a healthy place. And so, um, I would say, you know, if if you dread going to church, and, and, it, and this is just an addition to what Kyle yeah. said. Everything he said is just spot on. Um, you know, if you if you dread going to church, if you're leaving every day crying in your car on your way yeah. home, if you find your mental state arrested by negative thought patterns every Sunday, um, that's a clue that something is wrong. That something is not right. Um, and you don't need to force yourself to keep going just because you have a responsibility to be faithful to the church. Like hmm. you can find a church that is healthy that you can be Absolutely. responsible towards and faithful towards. Um, and, and one thing that I, I have found is personally helpful for me mm -hmm. um, is, uh, and this is especially for um, when you find, when you find yourself in uh, abusive situations where, you know, something has been done to you, um, and you've been hurt in some way, but you find yourself in this thought pattern of, well, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe it's just in my head. Mm -hmm. Maybe I need to show more grace and forgive. And like, yes, all of those things are true. Like we do need to have grace and like practice forgiveness. All of those things are true. Um, but if you find yourself in that thought pattern and you are questioning whether something is happening to you and whether it's really as bad as you think, um, take what is happening to you and imagine it happening to the person you love most in the world. And would you be okay with that happening to them? Would you be okay yeah. with the pastor saying X, Y, Z to them, doing X, Y, Z to them? That's a word. And <laughs> if you are not... Well, God loves that person more than you do. And he right. loves you in the same way. And so that is not good if that is going on. Um, that is not coming from God if that is yeah. going on in the church. 
yeah, man, that's that's like Kyle just said that that's a word. <laughs> <laughs> hey Anthony, if I could, I would like because yeah. I, I didn't address the like what could you how to avoid those kind of situations. I just I'm more just uh, diagnosed. <laughs> what I would say is one of the ways to avoid um, getting yourself caught up in situations or cultic cultures is what they really are um, is to do a lot of work and ask a lot of questions on the on the uh, beforehand before you join membership you know just because you may agree with something ideologically doesn't mean you arrived at that same conclusion the same way you know and so you need to ask questions and transparency and walking in the light are good signs lack of transparency yeah. is a horrible sign any pastor who is agitated or frustrated with someone asking questions is is someone who you shouldn't be red flags Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, let me. I'll, I'll say this um, to kind of piggyback off something that uh, um, Bridget was saying is that it's important for us to understand when thinking about these things that there's a reason why the Bible, when the Bible talks about discipleship and talks about mm-hmm. mentorship, and I'm thinking about Paul and Jesus, a mm-hmm. lot of language is used as regards to uh, parenting and children. You know, so people, people of faith. Uh, from the apostles to Christ are referred to as being cared for like their children. Mm-hmm. The reason for that is because faith is fragile. Mm-hmm. It's not weak. Yeah. It's not weak, but right. it's fragile. And yeah. it's important to understand that something can be strong and healthy and yet still be fragile. So again, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I, I have a baby doing about 11, 10 days now. <laughs> and when you think about an infant, a baby can be healthy and strong but if you're burping it and you hit its back too hard, you could cause devastating impact to its body. Right. You know, if you feed it milk that's too hot, you could cause devastation to its mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, there's numerous ways that when caring for a healthy, strong baby, because a baby's still fragile, you can still profoundly wound. Yeah. And so when we think about ministering to souls, it's important to understand that souls are strong, but fragile. Faith is strong, but can also be fragile. And if you're in a space where the ministers are not ministering in a way, this is why gentleness is one of the qualifications for a pastor. Mm-hmm, if you're mm-hmm. in a space where you're, where ministry is not ministered with gentleness and with kind of a recognition of the the preciousness and fragile and the fragility of the soul and of faith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm not again. I'm one of this emphasize the distinction between fragile and strong. But if, sure. if, but, if but if there's there's not that kind of ministry occurring amongst people, then that's there's something wrong with that atmosphere. Men who are men and women who men and women who minister are to minister out of gentleness and they are to minister in a way that communicates that souls are both precious and fragile. And there's a lot of spaces that the way in which they they stand in the pulpit, the way in which they they proclaim the word of God, the way in which mm-hmm. they teach theology, the way in which they defend the faith, mm-hmm. is not it's not out of gentleness. It's not mm-hmm. out of any kind of care or even even if there's theological agreement, recognizing that that again, faith is fragile, souls are fragile, it's more like a battering ram. And mm-hmm. when you and, and when you have spaces like that, those aren't those are not men to esteem. Those are not churches to esteem. Those are places that are not are not going to be safe, uh, especially for people who have any kind of trauma. Yeah, yeah, man. Thank you for <clears throat> for that um, for that just kind of additional elaboration. And I think that's a that's a great place to kind of 
um, kind of start to wrap up this segment. Uh, just just kind of one last thing that I want to pose to you all. Um, just kind of part, parting thoughts on um, for anyone out there who finds themselves quote unquote church hurt. They 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 they've been hurt by the place or the people in the place, however you want to tackle it. Um, and and they are just kind of barely holding on, whether that's to the church, um, again, the, as a body, whether that's to their faith, whatever the case is, whether that's to Christ who have, who they, you know, synonymously linked up with the church, whatever the case is. But, but for those who find themselves church hurt and just kind of barely holding on, what, uh, what parting thoughts would you want to leave with them? Um, and I'll go to Bridget. What would you say to those people? Um, I, I would say first give yourself space to take time away. Um, and to take a break um, and give yourself permission to leave the church that you're in. Um, you don't have to stay. Um, it's okay to leave and it's okay to not have a church that you are going to just yet because you need space to figure out what your next step is. Give yourself permission yeah. to leave. Give yourself permission to step away and not know what you're doing or where you're going, but just to step away. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I, I appreciate you for that. Kyle, um, parting comments or thoughts for those who kind of find themselves church hurt and just they're kind of barely hang, hanging on. Your trauma is not something that is a mystery to God. He understands it perfectly and he understands it intimately and he understands he, he and this is one of the good things about God is that he himself uh, feels for us in our mm -hmm. pain. And we're told that Christ is a sympathetic high priest because he himself has suffered in every way. And that includes uh, spiritual trauma. When you mm -hmm. think about the dynamic of Christ, the Jew, and how he was treated by his own faith community, how he was right. ostracized by his own faith community, how his own faith community had ultimately had him tortured and executed. You know, mm -hmm. um, the, the constant barrage of slander and attacks that were happening for people who were supposed to be the spiritual leaders of his time and were supposed to be the mm -hmm. ministers of the wood uh, during that time, uh, being the Pharisees and Sadducees. And so, you know, Jesus understood himself as he, as he walked this earth, the realities of spiritual betrayal and spiritual trauma himself. Um, and um, even to the point of them mocking his God on the cross. If God really loves you, if you're really the son of God, then why don't you come down from the cross? So even to right. the point of trying to gaslight Christ in regards to his relationship <laughs> with the father. And so God, Jesus knows these things and he is our sympathetic high priest. And so if trauma keeps is keeping you from attending church for a season, Jesus understands that perfectly and he is not ashamed of you he is not angry at you but he is with you and he is walking with you and he is lamenting with you and he is there for you and he he understands perfectly how you are feeling and so he is a messiah that you can talk to you can communicate that you can share the rawness of your emotions and your struggles with 
Um, if you are struggling with reading the word because of uh, the way in which the word has been weaponized against you, once again, um, Jesus is not angry at you for not being able to connect with his word the way you may have once been able to, because Jesus understands what is understands the mind he understands trauma he understands traumatic triggers and so whatever traumatic triggers have been developed due to spiritual abuse jesus understands them perfectly and he's not holding he created your mind and he is not holding you he's not holding it against your mind for operating in the way in which he has designed it to operate when there's been profound haunting pain that has occurred does that make yeah. sense? And so, so does, Jesus understands haunting pain. He understands the impact of haunting pain on the mind in which he created uh, in you and, he, and the affections that he's created in you. And so he is not ashamed and he is not angry that your body and your soul are responding to traumatic realities the way that they are responding. It's, it's, it's normal in light of what you have endured. If you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and you love him, he is yours, you are his, and he rejoices over you. And um, if over time you are able to build up to a place to care and therapy and all those things where spiritual gifts or disciplines are becoming nourishing again, praise God for that. But your relationship with God and his pleasing in you is not determined by how you relate to things, spiritual disciplines that have been weaponized against you, leading to trauma. And so you are precious with more than all the stars in the sky. And you are beloved uh, by God. And um, never forget that and hold on to those truths. Amen. Amen. Man, Bridget, Kyle, man, thank you both so so much for um what i think was a refreshing transparent conversation um look i really believe that people are going to benefit from you all's perspective and insight so um thank you all for being willing to share uh from your your experience your knowledge your wisdom just everything to kind of help us navigate this space of being or dealing with hurt from a place that's designed to help thank you both for your time um, and just your, uh, your, your your insight and again, perspective and experience. Um, good people, one more break and I'll be back with segment two of this episode featuring Charlie, AKA the worst pastor's wife. So sit tight, we'll be right back. Hey, do you ever have that feeling that you were made for more? Like that feeling that where you are is not where you're supposed to stay because you know you can do better. But for some reason, you're stuck. Well, if so, Anthony D. Sparks can help. As a certified life coach, Anthony has coached hundreds of individuals ranging from CEOs to stay-at-home parents, helping them with issues such as finding their purpose, achieving work-life balance, improving their love lives, or just simply becoming better people. If you've ever thought about coaching and been hesitant, or if you've never thought about coaching but know something in your life has to improve, then this message is for you. Go to www.anthonydsparks.com to book a free consultation to see if Anthony can help. It's time for you to live a life of purpose, on purpose. All right, guys, welcome back to the 56th episode of Crockpot Conversations. And again, this is part two of our God Bless America series. 
Uh, and again, today we're talking about dealing with hurt from a place designed to help. As I said earlier, this is the second part of uh, that interview and um, great, great, great conversation I just had with Kyle and Bridget. And now for this second segment, I am joined by Charlie, AKA Worst Pastor's Wife on Twitter. And y'all, let me just say real quick, uh, she is an amazing follow on Twitter. Uh, if you're on Twitter, by all means, follow her uh, because she just gives real, raw, and very relevant um, information, experience, feedback, et cetera, based on what she's been through. And honestly, once I knew that this was kind of the direction I was going to go with my November series, I knew she had to be one of our guests. So, um, again, Charlie, we're only going by Charlie because we have to maintain some anonymity because in order for her to do what she does, which is create, I think, catharsis for so many people out there in the uh, in the Twitter world and social media space, we don't want to give up who she is because we want her to keep doing the great job that she's doing and just speaking, um, in some cases, truth to power and just being absolutely um, just 1,000% just real, which is what I think is, is missing in this very made-up, contrived, manufactured space. So, Charlie, thank you so, so much for accepting the invite. It's great to have you on the thank show today. Thank you so much. Like I said, I'm incredibly honored. Absolutely. My pleasure. My pleasure. Let's, uh, so let's, let's, let's just get into it. Um, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you. Uh, like I said, I've been following you for, for a while on Twitter and um, I'm, I'm excited to see where this conversation goes. So um, can you just give just a, just a brief introduction, maybe on who you are, what you do, just whatever you, you kind of want people to know about you right now. Sure. Um, I'm Charlie. <laughs> um, <laughs> what do I do? I guess the, the way I figured I would answer it is kind of a little bit of a swerve because of the anonymity thing, but um, sure. I was born into church. I was a pastor's kid my whole life. Um, basically brought up on a very controlling, abusive, um, you know, what people would call non-denominational, but it's really a melting pot of Pentecostal, evangel evangelistic, um, I don't know, it's, it was all kind you know, the non-denominational thing is very, it's weird, it's so super weird. Like the night, like being a pastor's kid in the 90s was like, yeah. I mean, if you're a pastor kid in the 90s, like hardcore, like that yeah. was when people were getting like pushed over and spit on and snakes. And wow. I mean, it was like, you know, oh, I see gold dust and I see, I mean, it was like, <laughs> you know, let's, it was always a demon that needed to be exercised. I mean, imagine wow. being a kid growing up in this world where specifically I remember somebody would sneeze and someone would go, you just, that, that, you just let something go there. And I'm like, wow, yeah, like a cold. Like, what are you? So anyway, that's <laughs> uh, that's. And then uh, eventually, um, through my high school years, I wanted to become a missionary, and more mm -hmm. specifically, a martyr, which my mom hated. But wow. um, I wanted to shave my head and move somewhere that would help somebody. I don't know. I was just very yeah. extreme. And then eventually, I became um, a children's pastor, a young adult pastor, a worship leader, um, a youth pastor. I've done it all basically yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and then it was all it was all sort of easy because I did that a lot when I was single okay. um, and then once I got married um, whole different ballgame because mm -hmm. when you're a kid you're a pastor's kid um, yeah everyone's watching you and everybody's you know over the top invasive with you and your family and their opinions and 
I mean, I can tell you some stories, but whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> but then when you become a wife, it was such an identity crisis because having been someone who was employed at the church, like who, whatever I did, well, that reflected on me. Mm-hmm. I had no, I'll be totally transparent. I had honestly no idea what I was getting into. Right. I'm like, yeah, power team, we'll do ministry together. We're going to kick some butt. We're going to, yeah. we're going to do it all. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be powerful. Like who wouldn't want to hire us, you know, and then you get into it and it's like, um, it almost sounds unbelievable because that's, that's why I was so caught off guard. But then when I became a wife, it was, it was this huge nuance, this huge vibe of you're just going to not say anything you're just gonna be very quiet you're not gonna have an opinion and um i was even told at our first church that like you're gonna have to wait six months to become a volunteer just because we don't yeah it was really really intense and um then you can't post anything on social media like Mm. um i once posted something about having autoimmune disease and the pastor and the elders had a meeting (laughs) told me Yeah, that was a huge deal that I couldn't be a leader after that at the church anymore. Um, so, and then, so yeah, I guess I guess my point is that um, that's that's really me. That's where this all comes from. Is that I was basically I've only ever been exposed to, and you're gonna people are gonna say this is being jaded and baggage and whatever, but I've only ever been exposed to churches where there was dysfunction, where yeah. the leadership what had major mental health issues. Um, lots wow. of spiritual abuse, lots of abuse of power. Like I've only ever been in churches that way. I have never wow. been in a church that I would consider was healthy or life-giving, etc. Goodness. So okay. Wow, intro, that, Twenty minutes later. No, no. That 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 was a that was a very very um, I guess just just robust um, response, and, and and I appreciate it because it leads directly into the next thing I wanted to ask you, and that is. Um, when it comes to your current relationship with the, the quote-unquote church, um, how would you describe it? How would you describe where you are with the church? And um, of course, if you can, uh, can you share an example of what's kind of led you to that place and, and how it's affected your walk? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking about church like um, corporate building church. like Right, okay. exactly. Right. Right. Um, so really right now, as far as my actual relationship, I don't have one <laughs> currently. Okay. Okay. Um, but I don't know if that's so much like intentional or I'm not like waving a flag. Like I'm not saying I'm, I'm not going to church, but it's just um, after our most recent experience with the last church was so heavy. And so um, it was just emotionally, spiritually, mentally exhausting. And um, it was just toxic and so abusive that like, for example, I had to stop off at a church yesterday for part of what I do. And I just was like, this sounds so pathetic, but I walked in there like, nobody touch me. <laughs> like, don't be right near me. Like, it was just, it was like visceral. Like, it wasn't a decision. It was just in there. Um, so I think it's just, I'm sort of organically trying to just take a break and uh, from myself. Okay. Um, but if you were to ask me for like an example, I mean, it's, it's an interesting question because on one end, um, it's nothing new for me. Okay. It's not like something happened at, the churches, you know, where I'm the wife, and it was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna explode. It's like I've seen it my whole life. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's just as bad, but it's different, and you're in a different role, and so it affects you differently, and you're an adult, and so 
the boundaries you think are balanced and like the space you think you should have and the way that you should be able to interact with people is completely in reverse. It's completely illogical. It's completely backwards. And um, I don't do well with like having to keep up with a social nuance or culture. Like I just am right. more like, I don't need to small talk with you. I want to know who you are, how you are, how can I love you? Um, it's just weird how church these days is very anti-sincerity. Like, like, mm. like going into a church and being sincere, maybe as a congregant, um, is different. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I've never been just a congregant. But wow. going in as a pastor's wife or a leader or a pastor, um, it's sincerity comes at a very high cost and uh, you hear about it, it reflects on your job. Um, and you can you can hear the, I mean, when we got hired, I can't tell you how many times they would say, you, you're, you're the wife, we don't expect anything from you. You can do whatever you want, you come and go as you please, whatever. But it doesn't take long before the conversation's about, where's your wife been? Or, yep. um, are you guys okay? Or yep. then before you know, it's reflecting on some sort of like performance review or, um, so it's kind of like they're saying, we don't expect any more than what you already know you're supposed right. to be. And that's the thing that's so tough about church and ministry right now is that everything is so gaslight. It's so, there's like yeah. gaslighting and the, and the control is so nuanced and subtle. Mm -hmm. And they want to act like a big business, but they don't want any of the accountability of a big business. Wow, they can pretty much fire anyone they want to for any reason with zero accountability. Um, and they can call it whatever they want because really the only court they're in is the court of public opinion. And as long as they can impress um, or say like, oh, this is why we parted ways or, you know, and then you have like a three to six month gag order that you won't get your severance if you talk to anyone. Uh, so yeah. You can't be open and actually tell people what really happened. So they're in control of the narrative, um, which is what happened the last time, um, which, you know, so, so the reason I'm saying it's two-sided is because it's not something new or shocking to me right. that would make me walk away from church. It's all the same stuff for me. Um, so my relationship to the church now is kind of like the church is, uh, the church is the people. And I don't feel right. like I have any, um, any hangups against the people who are going there as congregants and to be served. And I've never had issues with those people. Isn't that funny? Like throughout all of my church experience, it's not the other church members that ever I feel conflict or a problem with. Right. Generally that conversation is acceptable for me to have. It's it's the leadership is really yeah. the tough part. Um, so I guess, yeah, it's, it's, it's not like some specific thing happened that was so shocking, even though I could tell you stories that would blow your mind. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really same old, same old. And okay. the problem is if I go at this point, I feel like my mission is to be there for and help people see what it is they're not seeing. Because I think there are people who are in it right now mm -hmm. who they feel something is wrong and they can tell something is wrong, but they don't, they're so used to the culture, they don't know how to figure it out, but they're stressed and they're uh, feeling guilty and they're feeling sad and they're feeling, you know, whatever. And I don't know, so I don't feel like I can really be part of a congregation right now because of that reason. 
Gotcha. No, that, it, it, it's just that makes that make that no that, that makes perfect sense. And 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 I think I, I kind of what I was not necessarily because I don't want to put words in your mouth ever. Um, but but something that I was kind of hearing or a bit of an undertone there was kind of spiritual abuse, mm-hmm. um, some some elements of spiritual abuse. And so um, when it comes to and I know that's a loaded topic, that's a heavy topic for so many. But um, how do you if, if you either encountered it yourself or, or seen it from afar how, how do you think someone can 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 recognize it like if somebody out there maybe is 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 not sure but they're feeling like i might be experiencing some spiritual abuse how can somebody recognize it and more importantly um not succumb to it mm-hmm. well um you're right it is a loaded question but all i can all i can tell you is is what i know and what i what I would do Um, because a lot of situations um, that's the hard part too about like what we talk about and is that on my Twitter is that you have these pastor's wives and um, they can see the abuse and they know that it's abuse or they are feeling at least and either they've got their husband in their ear like no it isn't or um, it's fine this is the way it is you don't understand or whatever but they're but like when I was thinking about writing a book one time I was like it's so frustrating because it would only frustrate another pastor's wife to hear, you know, oh, this is what you should do because the situation is it's not your job and you are married to the person whose job it is and you can't right. just go, all right, you know, this is abuse, we quit because it's your right. livelihood and you probably make a decent, or you might make a decent amount of money that you can't just go out to the workforce and find the equivalent. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, my book. So I guess what I'm saying about recognizing spiritual abuse for my own self, I feel like my own guide is boundaries, um, understanding what boundaries are and yeah. being as confident as you possibly can in them. Um, I think that has probably been the number one source of conflict with me and um, other church leaders um, that are above in ranks is me saying like, no, you can't tell me that or ask that of me. This is where you stop. This is where I begin. I don't work for you. And that always blows up into this huge problem. Um, hmm. So when someone wants to cross your boundaries, and, and I guess boundaries are where you define them um, as yourself, what brings you peace, what makes you feel safe, um, what makes you feel comfortable. When mm-hmm. someone starts to tell you that because of A, B, and C reason, you're obligated to step outside what you feel um, either suits your personality. You know how many people like just don't have a personality of praying in public? It's nothing to do mm-hmm. with faith. It's just your mm-hmm. personality. It doesn't have to do with pray in public. No, that's crap. Or not everybody's personality is to be a um, a speaker on stage or to right. lead a group. Or some people want to just like talk one on one with you. Some people, and so there's so many times I've heard where people are like. You know, it's just not my personality, but they're so guilted into what does that say about yep. you? Not bold for yep. Christ. What right, does that say right, about you? right. Not. So those kind of things. Like if you know who you are, be confident in the fact that that's who God made you to be. If you don't want to be outspoken, if you don't want to be a prayer warrior in front of everybody, if you don't want to be whatever, you know, if you've got kids and you're busy and your pastor's telling you or your women's group leader or whoever is telling you, why aren't you in your Bible every day? I haven't been in my Bible every day for, I can't even tell you. I have three kids, like, (laughs) are you kidding? Like, God is on your side. God loves you where you are. You're exactly where you need to be. Listen to the Holy Spirit. And if someone tries to push you beyond where you feel peace and where Mm. you feel safety in any 
spiritual name or any expectation, even if no one's saying it to you, but you know it's an expectation, you can feel it. You know, right. if there's a Sunday morning where you feel like crap and you just want to stay home and watch rom-coms, do it. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And I know you can't always because I know the situation sometimes that's going to cause conflict with me and my spouse. And I'm not, just, you know, promoting conflict, but at least I'm saying the way you can detect it best, at least if you're me, is when, when it feels like a dynamic or a culture is pushing you beyond where you feel like you're comfortable and peaceful and and safe to be yourself. That's an awesome, awesome response. And and honestly, I, I think I, just just hearing you talk, um, it's it's refreshing to me because so much of what you're saying is is so much of what I say, and and that's how I feel. Like just the when you just said that about if you want to just you know stay home one Sunday and just do nothing but watch rom coms or, or whatever the case is, I'm like. There is no, you have no idea how many people that just sets free. Because because the the, the the thought process, the obligation is, you know, once again, and, and again, you know, can we call it spiritual abuse? Maybe, maybe not, but you know, I'll leave that for other people. But the thought process is, I see it all the time. You know, um, um, you know, God has done so much for you and Jesus died for you and, and you go to work every day. The least you can do is get up one Sunday or one day and go to, and it's just like, we're guilting people into into a relationship essentially absolutely and and i know that that is not how god wants us to be interacting with him from a from a place of guilt mm-hmm. that's just that's because because it's unsustainable and so and that, well, the verse that talks about my 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 oak is easy and my burden is light the the thing I always find interesting is that when there's so much a vibe in church of, okay, your life is your zero. And what have you sacrificed above that? Well, how about the notion that when God created me, the life that he gave me to live it well and to live it with peace and to follow the Holy Spirit, that is my sacrifice. So if I'm at home with three kids and I'm cooking dinner and I go to work, like that isn't my zero. That is hugely my sacrifice. And Absolutely. if I can do that while not biting everyone's head off or telling my kid like, <laughs> like something awful, I'll regret. Yeah. Like if I can do that while still um, loving the people who were specifically put in my world. And that's the thing. If people act like it's so, like it was so unintentional. Well, you had kids, so that's just a product of, God put those kids there. God put your life the way that it is. Absolutely. So your show of Christianity and faith, that's not like, oh, that's inside the bubble, but your faith is shown beyond those bounds. No, your faith is shown in how you raise your children, how you love them, how you listen to them. If you don't have children, how you act at your job with your boss, with your coworkers, be Christ-like within your world. That's and right. whole right. pressure of like, well, that's your zero, but what are you doing above that? It's like, no, 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 no. Do not deflate the life that was carved out for me because what we do is then we overextend ourselves and we burn ourselves out and we go, I'm exhausted and I'm such a terrible person because it's the end of the day. I haven't read my Bible. I haven't directly <laughs> said, dear God, please, you know, I haven't, you know, gone through the prayer list of whatever. I haven't read the right. women's thing. I haven't you know, prepared for whatever else situation. It's like, how about God is just saying, whoa, like where you're at is where I need you. Hmm. And you can blow that circle away with compassion, love, empathy, sacrifice, and focus. Wow. What kind of a parent or a person does that make you to go, yeah, 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 this is my daily life, but how I acted church or what I did, you know, that's what, it's like, no, and I'm not 
I'm not ever gonna dog like people getting together at church. It's not True. something I'm saying. True. But when that becomes the focus or the expectation you put on yourself, it's like, how about you just wow the world that was given to you and don't downplay that. Like, how about you just really nail it, like really rock it in the world that is around you. You know, it doesn't yeah. help anyone if your house is complete, you know, disaster and your kids are like lonely and, you know, like, you're just but you read your bible every day yeah but you read your bible today or you <laughs> right. knelt on the ground or you went to church six times a week or yeah you know yeah, yeah that's 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 rich that's rich um so just kind of using that as a segue i i know this is this is probably easy to kind of figure but i want to ask it anyway um how have you been able to differentiate or kind of kind of separate christ from the quote-unquote church, the corporate church, the structural church. How have you, how have you been able to? Because I think that's that's the only way that you know, go, been having gone through what you've gone through, the only way that you can still be, you know, in love with God and and and, and acknowledging Christ and His sacrifice and accepting that is by you know being able to separate those two things. So how have you been able to successfully do that to where your relationship? is still intact even if your your quote unquote religious practices in terms of going to church being in church etc it might not be i love this question because this has been a conversation that i've had with myself for um a while um because i do hear um so many people who say well this happened to me in church and i don't go there anymore i you know i was given this impression about church i don't believe in god anymore um so I was sexually molested by my father from the age of three years old for 10 years. He's a pastor. And we're not just talking like the pastor who just like goes, I mean, he was like, I mean, it was so, everything was very religious. I mean, I remember my mom threw away my Shakespeare book because there was magic in it. And I think they like trashed the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. I mean, it was like, (laughs) it was intense. It was like, we don't not have dark spirits in our home. Like, uh, I mean, it was like full on. And so at some point in my life, um, and and I, I don't, this is where the conversation comes in because when you talk about the grace of God for you to believe mm-hmm. versus uh, something psychologically happened in me that I was uh, enabled or capable of believing because there have been other things that have happened and I never compare traumas, but that are yeah. less, a, a less impactful to my judgment where people have walked away entirely. Um, And so I have questioned myself on that. Why, why do I still, um, but because I have, um, I think because of the abuse in my developmental stages of of childhood, I developed like this, um, I don't catch nuances or social things very easily. I I have to like stand by logic in order to kind of navigate life. And so for me, uh, and, and please don't hear me as this is like deflating someone else's struggle or someone is wrong and I'm right. But for me, sure. logically, um, even though this is gonna sound very infantile, um, I never could understand why walking into a building and being around people who are a-holes when you can go into Walmart or go buy groceries and someone is a jerk to you, I'm not gonna never buy food again. It, it was just never logical. Uh, and I'm not calling it down, please, I'm not judging, but I'm just saying right, for right. me, it was never quite logical because 
I have always seen God as like on my side. So when I go to church and someone acts like an idiot, God's over here like, that, bro, that dude is like being an idiot. And I'm like, right? Like, and that's how <laughs> I, I'm not quoting. I'm not saying God said that. I'm just sure, saying yeah, as a yeah. kid, that's how I process it. Me and, me yeah. and God sitting in, in like Sunday school when I'm in fifth grade and I'm like, this guy's a moron. And God's like, yeah, this, this, I don't know what to say. <laughs> God, I, I don't know. You know? Like, like we've always been like in this dialogue together in my head where yeah. he's been like, my big, not my big brother, that's not the way to, but you know, he's just, he's, yeah. he's in with I me. It. I don't know how to say it because there's so many times we oh, don't disrespect, but he's been right. such a personal um, everything yeah. since I was a kid that it was like, I would go to church and I'd be like, what are we in for today, God? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what kind of idiocy <laughs> are we going to encounter now? And so all of the horrible things I've seen in all the church abuse, I've just seen a uh, people who are people where you're going to find them anywhere, Christian or Absolutely. not Christian, inside of a building, they happen to call church being a total jerk to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and, it, and it's it's not like revenge to go, well, because of you, God's a jerk too. Like it doesn't, it's like God wow. and I feel like have always been attached. So it's like when someone's an idiot to me at church, I'm just like, man, you, you need some therapy. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I'm just, yeah. Because I, I, I've worked many other, I mean, I'm just trying to say like, people are going to be wonderful and also awful in mm-hmm. any, just about anywhere you go, everywhere yep. you go. Like, yeah. and of course they're going to be gathering at church because like, that's what a lot of people do. They gather at church. There's absolutely yeah. no guarantee. And I feel like logically, again, I'm not trying to be condescending. But I feel like logically people need to understand people go to church just like they go to mcdonald's or anywhere else mm-hmm. it has absolutely nothing to do it should but it has absolutely nothing to do with the reflection of god's heart toward you his thoughts wow. toward you even when you sit and listen to a preacher you need to ask questions god is not someone who is afraid of ch- of you challenging Amen. that's yeah. why i feel the bible in places can be so vague because god designed it in a way to say you're not gonna get this unless you talk to me and there have been bible verses that i've looked at and been like god this makes me really upset like i hate that this is in the bible i don't yes. like this. Yes. like this is kind of pissing me off like you're gonna have to talk me down about this like make this make sense and that's the way he wants it he wants yeah, you to pursue the understanding and so for you to walk into a church and hear a preacher say something and you're like, that's, if that's what God thinks, do you know what that's what God thinks? Yeah, you yeah. Ask yourself, because if you don't know, you should probably find out. Everybody is equally human, no matter okay. what they say they are, who they are, pastor so-and-so, you know, officer so-and-so, doctor so-and-so, everybody is human. And the only thing that stays the same is God and his love for you and his grace and his desire to have a relationship with you anything else that happens outside of that you work it out like you work it out with god like you gotta you know what i'm saying but it's not people's fault either because it is totally a very powerful nuance and strong dynamic in the abuse of power section where you don't question you know Mm -hmm. this is my job i know the bible i know god because it's my job so what i say to you you just need to take that wow you know so very common thing no, that, that that's that's a I appreciate that that perspective and that 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 nuance there, um, and you know what it's 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 funny because I of course I've heard it, 
I've heard it said, you know, so many different ways, so many different times. Um, but yeah, we like you, just like you said, if we go to to Walmart and we encounter some a holes or some jerks or whatever, we don't stop going there. Right. But yet, but yet we're we're so quick, or, or the church is on such a shorter leash. Um, and, and in some cases, I think a lot of us maybe are, are almost looking for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but in other cases, I, I, which is why I titled the podcast what I did, because I think in some in some ways it's like, OK, I don't expect to be hurt in a place that's supposed to help. Right. And so that's kind of probably what leads to to the I'm just I'm just finished with all of it. So, you know, right, wrong. That's not what we're talking about. It's just it's just the experience. Right. Just the feeling. And so I, I appreciate the nuance that you just gave to that. And what I would so say to you, because I don't have the, like I said, I don't have the perspective of never being in church and then walking into church with a need. And sure. being, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like being iced out. That sucks. Yeah. And yeah. What I would say to those people who that has happened, that is very valid. That's extremely valid. You don't just suck that up like that sucks. Yeah. You should not do that. But there are people who have a realistic faith in God who are genuinely interested in knowing you, having a relationship with you and coming alongside you, they do exist. Right. You may not find them in church. And church people don't, like if, if you, if, right. if your church environment is making you like at odds with your belief in God, mm. go somewhere else. Right, yeah, yeah. Go somewhere <laughs> else for the love of peace. Your, if your church environment is making you question or have issue with your belief in God, Go somewhere else. If you remember yes. nothing else that's been said today, you just heard that. If your church environment, where you are, where you worship, where you choose to be, if that place is causing you to have some type of warped view about God, get out. Yep. Get out. Get out. Thank you for that. Um, so as we kind of kind of land the plane a little bit or kind of start to land it, um, one or two more questions I got for you that I just wanted to ask. And I think that that one we just talked about, it just had was a, was a perfect segue to this one. Um, in addition to everything, all the good stuff you just said, uh, is there anything more pointedly or more um, specific that you want to say maybe to those who are listening to this, who, who find themselves church hurt and they are literally barely holding on um, just, you know, and let, let's say if they are in that church where, you know, it, it's causing them to kind of question some things about God, but let's just say that, that, that the family is there and that's where they've kind of grown up or that's what they've been around. And so they don't really know what it is to break from their entire, you know, household and go somewhere else. Like just, just, is there anything that you would say to those people who, who, you know, who can't, who, who may find it tough to just break away and go somewhere else? Um, but who are absolutely hurting in their church and barely holding on to their faith. What would you say to those people? I would say that the intention of God for your life is to have a real um, ongoing, realistic is what I'm saying, relationship with God first. So Mm -hmm. if there are things that, I mean, things are gonna be crazy around you, infinity. Like until the day you pass, Things gonna be crazy. People are gonna say things that are upsetting, that make you question. But if you don't set up that relationship with God where you trust that God's heart from infinity to infinity is the absolute love of you and your health and to take care of you. And 
if there's something, any church you go to, I guarantee you one time or another, something's gonna happen, a way, a behavior, a message from the stage is gonna make you go, I didn't like that. I didn't like that. But it's kind of like if you were to go to a building and someone were to talk, tell you about me for years and years and years, and they said things about me that you were like, I don't like that, but you don't know me at all. Mm. Like you never met me. Like. You can't say I know her and I don't know I don't really care how you interpreted that scripture you know mm -hmm. but that's not what I that doesn't witness with my heart with what I think the heart of God for me is yeah so what I'm saying is is that if you're gonna go to church at all but you don't actually ask God to reveal things to you personally and have interaction mm -hmm. with him so that you you know have a for lack of a better term a baseline of what God's love and character and what he would and wouldn't do but you have to know God, even outside of the Bible, not without the Bible, but you have right, to know God one-on-one right, right. -on -one, and you have to understand his character and his actual healthy, non-dysfunctional love for you. And you have to have complete solid trust and faith in that, or at least work toward that. So that whatever yeah. it is that's handed to you at church or whatever, um, you can walk away and go, that doesn't really like match up with, with my heart, like what I think God, is you know then you know what to discard what not to discard etc but i think the most important thing not again not original is that you have your own understanding of god and your relationship with him has to inform you before anything else does or else you are going to get discouraged and you are going to get confused and it is going to weird you out and people are bizarre especially at church especially in leadership like Absolutely. I like I'm telling you, I think 90%, and this is not to be condescending, but I think 90% of our country would be shocked at how much mental health and how much wow. ridiculous abusive behavior goes on in church leadership. And that's that's not to defeat or or talk down to going to church. It's to make right. you aware that church is still just people. You know what I mean? It's not to shock anyone or discourage yep. that the people are past all, all pastors are idiots or whatever. But right. Why are we why are we shocked? Interpret the word through your relationship with God, you're gonna be mm. okay. You're gonna like you're gonna make it. There you have it. Another real, raw, and relevant conversation that was absolutely necessary. Special thank you to Kyle Howard, Bridget Rivera, and Charlie for being uh, just super transparent um, and, and sharing with us their experience to, uh, to help us um, recognize maybe what, what spiritual abuse is looking like, to help us um, not only recognize it, but also get away from it. Um, and so just remember, if you are somewhere um, in, a, in, in a church or worship setting, whatever your religion, whatever your faith is, it doesn't matter. But if you're somewhere where you're feeling more um, grief than goodness as a result of being there, if you find yourself leaving and feeling worse than when you walked in, um, if you find yourself constantly having to make concessions for the people there, you're constantly having to bend over backwards to give them grace when they are not giving you the same, then it might be a sign that some spiritual abuse is going on. So pay attention to the signs and by all means, um, be real with, with God. Let him know 
what you're experiencing, what you're feeling, and know that if you have to step away, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. He's not mad at you for that. He understands what's happening. He sees what's going on and he can handle the emotions and uh, the feeling that you feel uh, because of what you're going through. So uh, don't stay stuck somewhere that's that's beating you up psychologically uh, or spiritually just because you feel like you have an obligation to that place. No such thing. All right. So, again, I hope the conversation was as beneficial to you as it was to me. Um, Join us next week for the third and final installment of our God Bless America series where we're going to be talking about mental health um, and how it relates to our spirituality and our faith. Um, Because sometimes our faith and our feelings just do not mix. I know um, I believe I know. I have faith in, uh, in my case, in God and Christ. And, and, you know, if you believe in something else, you're higher power. I know, you know, we know we've got faith, but sometimes something just does not click, just does not match. The feeling that I have, the, the belief I have is not really showing itself in, um, I guess, my life or the quality of my life. So tune in next week for that conversation. All right. I'm looking forward to it. And I hope you are, too. I'll holler.